Okay, everyone. Okay, a surprise class. Um, I will not be giving the Thursday night class tonight because I'm doing a, I'm speaking in Irvine at a Fabrengen. Maybe I will um, broadcast that Fabrengen. We'll see if they're cool with that. Um, that's in honor of the 28th day of Nisan. But I didn't want to cancel our weekly Thursday class, Thursday night class. So instead of doing it Thursday night, I'm going to do it now Thursday morning. This can be part one of a very fascinating um, discussion on the priestly garments. I'm excited about it because I myself am a Kohen, which is a priest. Um, and um, I've been... I've been um, unemployed for close to 2,000 years as our work of the, in the Holy Temple has been temporarily suspended and uh, we hopefully will be reinstated with the coming of Mashiach and we will wear again. One of the most important things is the coin to wear priestly blessings. It's connected to this week's Torah portion because this week's Torah portion talks about the high priest, uh, Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur and how even though the Kohen usually wears the high priest usually wears eight garments, yet on Yom Kippur, he only would officiate with four of the garments, which are really the garments that the regular priest would wear, the Kohen Hediot, the regular priest would wear. Um, maybe a slight difference. In this amazing discourse from the Tzemach Tzedek, really fascinating discourse, he explores the spiritual um, um, dynamics of these holy garments that the Kohen wears and what kind of repair it does for, the, for all of the cosmos and all of the world. And it's exciting to learn about that because, wait, sorry, especially since very soon we're going to be back with those holy garments in the Holy Temple. Now, um, the, I want to thank Ahuva Fish for her dedication last week. In the last class, I mentioned that I didn't have any sponsors. So if anybody wanted to sponsor it, they can sponsor it. Ahuva Fish sent in a dedication, a sponsorship. So thank you. And that should be for last class. I think her attention was. But anybody that wants to dedicate this class can do that as well. Also, at any time you'd like. Just go to mayon.com and you can go to slash donate and, or find the donate button and put in the dedication over there. It's obviously very helpful. Okay, we start. Uh, this will take us uh, uh, today's class. Probably won't go that long. Um, we're going to learn, we're going to learn mainly in today's class an overview about the four garments. And then we're going to learn just about the shirt. It's called exonus, which really is like a robe. What the spiritual significance of that linen robe. In addition to that, there was a pair of pants, which we're not going to learn about today at length. We're going to learn about that next week. And um, I doubt that we'll finish the whole thing next week about the pants and the special gartel, the special belt that the Kohen wore, and the special hat. Uh, they're really, really fascinating stuff. So it might take us two classes or three classes to conclude this discourse. This is coming from the third Chabad Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek. Monday, I did a little review in also of a discourse of him from the same book, Sefer Er HaTorah, 
um, in Vayikra, in Parshas Achara. Here we go. It's on page Kof Kuf Nun Beis, for those of you who have the book. Aratayra Vayikra Beis, the second book on Vayikra, page Tuf Kuf Nun Beis, uh, which doesn't have the, the numbers, just Tuf Kuf. Now, Tuf Kuf Nun Beis is 552. Okay, so in the Torah portion this week, it says, when it's talking about the, the high priest, it says, a holy, a shirt of linen that is holy, Yilbash he should put on. Now, Rashi says that when we say it should be holy, means that you buy it from holy money, from consecrated money. People that have donated to the holy temple, that money becomes holy money, belongs to the, to the um, it's part of the treasury of the temple. And they would use that money to purchase for the priest the garments. That's what Rashi says is the meaning of holy, which means it's not describing that the garment is holy. It's describing that holy money is used to purchase it. But from the Hasidic and deeper perspective, obviously the garments themselves are holy. And as we're going to see now, they're not just ordinary holiness, they're the highest, highest level of holiness that one can, one can imagine or beyond one's imagination. So you should wear a linen shirt, and a linen pants. Should be on his flesh, and with a a linen um, belt, yachkar he should uh, girdle himself. And with a hat, again made out of linen, yitznof he should wrap himself around. The hat was like a turban that went on his head, and so it was like a long scarf, and they would coil it around his head in a special shape. And that would create the hat. And these are the four garments that a regular Kohen would wear. Now, again, this week's Torah portion is not speaking about the garments of a regular Kohen. This week's Torah portion is speaking about the high priest who wears an additional four garments, altogether eight garments. However, um, the ones that the high priest would wear for the special services on Yom Kippur, on the holiest day of the year, which is what it discusses this week in the Torah portion, are the same ones that the ordinary Kohen would wear all the time, which is only four garments. And these are those garments. Now by each one, it, on its own, it mentions the word bad, which means linen. And in the holy books, it says, doesn't say who these holy books are. Probably Kabbalistic writings. What does it say? The idea of the eight garments of the Kohen Gadol, Dalit, Big Day, Lovin. Four of them. Now, the high priest would wear regularly, any other time aside for Yom Kippur, if the, if the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, does the service lacking even one of the eight garments, it's invalidated. On Yom Kippur, it's the opposite. If he wears any more than four garments, it's invalid, meaning the particular Yom Kippur service. See, on Yom Kippur, there's also daily services. Those the Kohen the high priest has to wear all eight garments, but when he's doing the special Yom Kippur stuff, he has to wear only four garments. So it is explained in Kabbalistic writings, the idea of the eight garments of the Kohen Gadol, Dalet, Big Day, Lovin, four of them which are white. The linen garments are, made, are, are all white. The Dalet, Big Day, Zav, and the four gold clothing. When we say gold, means that they had gold thread woven into them. It wasn't completely out of gold. It was very colorful was made out of various different um, colored wool and linen. Uh, you know, the, the priestly garments, the Kohen Gadol's garments for sure, the high priest garments 
or shatnas, a mixture of wool and linen, which generally is forbidden, besides for in the holy garments. And But in addition to that, it also had gold thread. How they made that, they would take gold, they would thin it out very, very thin, make it into like sheets of thin gold, like something like aluminum paper. And then they would cut these thin threads and they would mix those threads together with the other threads of the of the wool. And so altogether, he wore four white garments and four gold garments. Let's just review quickly what those gold garments are. One of them is a plate that went on his forehead called the tzitz. That was really just a plate out of a, like a like um, a plaque, a thin, thin, thin plate that went on his forehead from like ear to ear. Um, and it was inscribed in it, holy to Hashem, it's called the tzitz. The other one was in addition to his regular robe that we spoke about earlier that every Kohen would wear, which was white and made out of linen. He wore a another robe, which was made out of blue wool, completely blue wool besides the bottom, which had these little imitation pomegranates. And those pomegranates were made out of different colors and bells. And the, the gold in them was the gold bells that were at the bottom. That was at the bottom of this meil. Um, in addition to that, they were an apron, an aphod, an apron that went on top of this blue robe, went this colorful apron, and, and it would have these special shoulder straps. And then on his chest, he wore what was called the choshen, the breastplate. So all these latter four garments all had gold in them. That's why they're called the gold garments. So what do we have over here? We have four plus four. Four um, white and four gold. So he explains, They correspond to God, the letters of God's name. So the coin is, is garbing himself with divine power, with godly powers. His garments are derived and correspond to the four garments, four letters of God's name. In the Tetragrammaton are four letters, Yud and a He and a Vav and a He. In addition to Hashem's four-letter unpronounceable name of Yudke Vavke, Hashem also has another name, which is Aleph Dalet Nun Yud, which is God as he relates more to the creation. It's called Shem Adna. Adna means a ruler over the world. So the four other garments were, were related to the Aleph Dalet Nun Yud. Kizov, and now he explains the relationship. Kizov Adin. Now gold, generally we think of gold as more yellow. But gold, uh, especially rose gold, is reddish. And even yellow gold could be a little tinge of red to it. Um, but primarily, uh, rose gold, for sure, is reddish. So it has to do with the power of gavura, the power of strength, which is the power of red. The colors that we know are also associated with the spherot, with the attributes. So white is representing... Um, a more chesed kindness, and um, and uh, red is the color of gavura, which is called din. Now the name Aleph Dalad Nun Yud of God, where God calls Himself Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, is a name of of Adon, which means master. And the master, the way the master rules, is with a certain amount of din of judgment. Melech b'mishpat yamad the king establishes his kingdom with mishpat, with, with, with law. 
So therefore, the gold garments, which have the redness to it, which 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 relate to the din, so that corresponds or relates to or is derived from or encompasses within these garments, encompassed, they channel within them the four letters of Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud. You take the letters of God's name, which is Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, you rearrange them, you get the word Dina, you put the Dalet first, Dina, which is uh, judge, judgment. Dina de Malchus, it's the judgment of Malchus. Like we say, Dina de Malchus Dina, the attribute of kingship, which is the final divine attribute closest to the creation. So that's the uh, element of Din. The Lavan and white, which are the other four garments, is indicative of compassion and unkindness. The Wing Avaya, which is more associated with the name of the Yudke Vavke, which is above and higher than the world, more removed from the world, and therefore there isn't much judgment there. There's just infinite flow of goodness and kindness. Which is the uh, idea of Yudke Vavke, which is the idea of, 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 of kindness and compassion. Okay, that's in general. So you got four and four. We need to understand the order of the garments. Each one. Each one and which letter of God's name is it connecting to? In Isa stated in Midrash, that the hat of the Kohen Gadol, the hat of the Kohen Gadol was an atonement on the sin of arrogance, and, um, and coarseness. Or Gasasaruach means when someone is self, self-absorbed. So um, it says, in order to figure out the mystical meaning of each garment, in order to understand which one of the garment corresponds to which letter of God's name. And in our case, he's not going to talk about the four gold garments. He's going to speak about, he's going to explain only the four white garments. So we have to figure out which garment corresponds to which letter of the four letters of God's name. Four garments, four letters. How do we know that? So the Tzemach Tzedek is searching for clues. Well, he finds it in the Midrash. The Midrash says how each garment was um, another form of atonement for various different sins. So by understanding the nature of each sin, every sin is a blemish in God's name. As we say by the nighttime Shema, we say, if I did this and this sin, which this sin is a blemish in your this letter of your name. So let now this be an atonement for that. Right? We say it in the nighttime Shema. So every aspect of, of every, all, all mitzvot, which is positive commandments and positive observance, all channel from the various different components and letters of God's name. And a violation of them causes a blemish in these levels. If we say that the priestly garments are an atonement for these blemishes, so by analyzing what the sages say it is an atonement for, we can then gain in which letter of God's name that garment is coming from. So the, the, the Midrash tells us that the mitznefes of the Kohen Gadol, which is the hat of the Kohen Gadol, was a, an atonement for haughtiness, for arrogance and haughtiness. Um, when we understand, so let's analyze where does haughtiness, what kind of klipa, what kind of impurity, what kind of anti-godly 
situation creates the haughtiness. Based on that, we'll know where is it affecting the divine. And if we say that the mitznefes is a tikkun on that, it's a rectification on that, that would tell you which, from which level the mitznefes is drawing. In came is a off, and this is an indication. The mitznefes, the hat, is related to and stems from the yud of God's name. Because the yud, we know this yud kev okay, so yud is the highest, and yud is wisdom, which we know chachmas koachma chachmas the power of what is chachma? Chachma is the highest faculty of the soul, the highest internalizing faculty within the soul, and it's even beyond um, in, uh, intellect. Bina is primarily the main intelligence of the person. The Chachma is the flash of light that informs the intellect. And therefore, the Chachma is really the ability for a person to transcend himself and open up to something bigger than himself. That's why we say Chachma is the source of Amunah, of faith. Because in faith, you're not yet on, faith is not understanding. Faith is the ability to be open and sense and know what is unknowable, not through intellectual knowledge, but from a deep conviction and deep connection. It's the soul's ability to experience the divine firsthand. Now, to experience the divine firsthand comes with an, in a, since God is, and there's, none, there's nothing outside of him. So to know God in this intimate, real way, not intellectual, but in this inner faith kind of way, means to dissolve and not be. So it's the ability of total bittal, what we call nullification in the truth of God. It's the self-suspension of the soul. And therefore, what is the total antithesis to that? Arrogance. Because arrogance is, is and, and, and haughtiness is, 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 is being, being such a something. It's the opposite of dissolving in the, in the divine reality, in the divine truth. So therefore, we know that arrogance and haughtiness um, cause a blemish at the deepest point of the soul. That's why God says, I cannot dwell in someone that's high. It like interferes with the point of connection where God interferes. At the very core of a person is a deep humility. So once we know that the hat of the Kohen, and now Chachma is in the head, even though it's not intellect, but it's it's still in the right side of the brain, it's at the at the head. And that's why the mitznef is the hat that goes on top of the skull is, is connected to that power. And when the Kohen wore that hat, he brought about atonement for all the Jewish people on all blemishes that was done through arrogance and haughtiness. It's the power of being what? Tachlis abitl, the epitome of being nullified. And therefore, from there comes the atonement of love and gaiva on the sin of, of, of arrogance and thickness of spirit. Thickness of spirit, as mentioned earlier, is a self, uh, a state of overly self-awareness. Now, that's the hat. Now, let's take a look at the belt. Now, this was a very different type of a belt. The usual belt is worn at the hips, and it's meant to keep your pants uh, from falling down. It's a regular belt. But the And as we're going to learn later in the Mimer, there, it has a Hebrew name as well. That's called a Azur, or an Chag uh, Azur, which is a, it was a belt, Oizer Yisrael. 
So azor is a is a belt meant to for that for that purpose. Uh, the belt the coin wore was worn higher. It was meant basically to keep the shirt connected to his body, and it was worn up here. The belt went right. I had to go on top. The bottom of the belt reached where his elbows. We go like this. So the bottom of this belt went over here, wrapped around him. So it basically went over the heart because here's the heart. Went in the. It went like under where the breastplate would go for the high priest. And for a regular priest, it went right over here, which is the, by the chest, and it's laying right over the heart. If it's laying over the heart, that gives us, so from here, uh, and actually it's an atonement, as we're going to soon see, on on hearer halev, on non-kosher thoughts, which thought, and that kind of, even though it's in the head, associated with the heart, because the heart is what, creates the the emotions that are feeding the non the 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 unhealthy thinking non non-kosher thoughts so it's related to the heart and over here he's primarily deriving its connection to the second letter of god's name which is the hey not so much from what it's an atonement for but more from where it was placed as he says uh, it was put between the um, the elbows, alalev on the heart, and he, he actually does both where it was placed and also what it's an atonement for. It's stated in the medrash again. It was an atonement for negative thoughts. Now, negative thoughts, as we're going to see over here, stems from a person feeling. It, there's a lot in Hasidus that talks about it. It's really a fascinating subject. And it would be so, it's so good for us to learn it because this is something we all struggle with. It comes from a certain frivolousness. When a person is, feels completely free, when you feel yourself as a free human being, then you feel kind of totally open. And whatever you see or whatever catches your fancy you, you know, you allow yourself to enter into those, into that, into that world. You know, you allow your, you allow, you allow your mind, a person allows their mind to wander off into any, anything in the world. The antithesis to this, to, to negative thoughts, to unclean thoughts or whatever kind of, uh, or whatever non-kosher thinking is that there should be a filter. The person should be closed, not open to everything. That filter comes from the fear of God. In other words, when a person has a powerful awareness that Hashem is watching me all the time and I'm in God's presence and I'm his servant and I have to be focused on my mission, my purpose and my mission, and that's felt 24-7, then there's a certain, you know, your doors are locked, you're closed, you're watching where your eyes are looking, you're watching what you're reading, what you're thinking. There is a, there is a closeness as opposed to an openness. It's not a suppression but it, it keeps you from all the distractions so you can be focused on your true self and what you're really all about so you can really be your true godly being. A relative person can waste away hours upon hours just with emptiness and nothingness because they're so open and they allow every whim, everything that flutters, everything that makes a little noise to catch their attention and to pull them out of and away of where they need to be. So... Therefore, he says that
sorry. Therefore, he says that the 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 for who hayira, in other words, the antithesis to just like we spoke before, the antithesis to haughtiness is this power of bittel, the power in the soul to be totally bottled Hashem to to experience the truth of God in a beyond understanding manner, and then you're you're you you are essentially humble. So the antithesis to unholy thoughts is the fear. And this is called not fear of punishment. It's the sense. It's this, this higher sense of a higher being that, that you're always in his presence. So in that sense, there's a certain closeness. You lock your doors and you remain focused on your service to Hashem. That is associated, that higher fear is associated with the power of Ha'ilah, the second letter of God's name. Interesting, because in many Memorah Hasidus, it explains that the higher fear is associated with the Yud of God's name. But over here, in our case, he took the Yud and even made it higher. The Yud is the Bittal, total Bittal. And this type of fear, the Yudri Law, he connects it with, with the hay. Most places, the upper hay of God's name is connected with a very, very expansive kind of love, a love to God that's boundless. But over here, he says, for who I hear, this is the fear, which is in the supernal hey, that is in the name of Avaya. I don't have an explanation of why the higher fear in this minory associates it with the hey of God's name and not with the and not with the yud. which is the level of bina. Chachma right? is the highest power. Bina is already an intellectual faculty. And through our intellect, we come to fear God. And we know that Bina, even though it's a intellectual power and it's in the left side of the brain, but yet the Zohar says Bina Liba, that Bina is the heart, that Bina extends its influence down to the heart because through our meditation and, and comprehension and connection to God in our mind, it extends its influence into the emotion and it creates the dread and the fear in the heart. So if there is a violation in that, which means a person removes this yoke of heaven, removes this fear, and becomes open and frivolous, then what happens is um, binaliba. I just want to make sure because I don't have a okay. binaliba, yeah. So the, and that's why the avnate, the gartel, the, the the belt which goes on the heart is a is you see from here is derived from the higher hay of God's name. Aksainas and the shirt was an atonement al oven The shirt was an atonement interesting on God forbid the spilling of blood. Obviously this is one of the very most serious of sins, the taking of someone else's life either in its most extreme form of actual murder, whether intentionally, which is like, obviously requires the punishment of capital punishment, or unintentionally, which also needs through, an, through some kind of an accident or the like, um, which also needs an atonement, 
or in the less severe expressions of spilling blood. The sages say that if you if, if one embarrasses someone else and causes their blood to drain from their face and they become pale because of embarrassment, that's like spilling blood. So there are other forms of spilling blood. Um, in any case, that needs a major atonement. And the shirt of the Kohen, when the Kohen wore those holy garments, including those shirts, it, it uh, brought healing to the world from the, the sin of murder and everything related to it. Shanir Mazbik, now where, what's the connection of a shirt to um, spilling of blood? Shanir Mazbik Sainas, because we find Hashem Vayit Baluak Sainas Bedam. When the, when, the, when, the, when the brothers of Joseph, Yosef's brothers, wanted to um, tell their father Yaakov, even though they didn't murder their brother, their initial intentions was to. Then they sold him as a slave. But then when they wanted to show Yaakov that their, father was, that their brother was killed, they took his shirt and they dipped it in blood. They, they uh, slaughtered a, a goat, they dipped it in blood, and they sent it to their father Yaakov uh, to say that, um, take a look, a wild beast had killed your son. From the fact that they made a bloody shirt, he's deriving the idea that shirt, a shirt is this this under this 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 inner robe is associated with 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 the the spilling of blood. This is an indication that this is in the vav, in the letter vav of God's name of tetragrammaton. Because the idea of spilling of blood is like it says, now he's going to take the concept of spilling blood and he's going to make it far more broader. In addition to God forbid murder, and in addition to you know the the the, the embarrassing, especially if you embarrass someone publicly, but in addition to that, it's going to show that in many, 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 many other things that we do. Utterly without intention, but we're causing a cosmic spilling of blood, which is the sages say it's a, it's, it's not a there's a pasuk, there's a verse, Pashas Noach says Shoifich Dama Dama Adam Baadam Dama Yishafich. So it says that if someone spills the blood of person, so then that person his blood needs to be spilled. That means it's life for a life. That kind of an idea. The verse, however, is strange. It says, If you spill the blood of a person into a person. So it's almost like a transfusion. You're taking blood from one person and you're pouring it into someone else, which doesn't have any sense in the literal explanation of the verse. It doesn't make any sense. So you kind of have to get by by like squeezing your way through on the literal level. However, on the spiritual level, this is really understood. The entire um, uh, um, flow of divine energy into the cosmos is coming through a series of vessels and attributes. And those attributes make up a ginormous man. That man is called a supernal man. That's the divine, the divine body that is facilitating the divine soul of creation. God, of course, himself transcends that. But once God does interact with the world, he interacts through this image of man. And God then assumes a human form, obviously, anthropomorphically speaking, a billion times. But that's, that's what it is.
Now, the inner life that's flowing in those vessels, in that image, in that, is called the blood, just like in the human being. The life, the soul flows in the blood. If, God forbid, any time we do things in which we drain the energy that's flowing within those vessels and we cause it to go outside of where God intends it to go and to flow into the unholy man, because we know just, just like God, God created the world to be a contest and a competition between holy and unholy, uh, literally is a, 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 um, it's a fight between the man of holiness and the man of the unholy. You might call it forces, satanic forces. God created that as well. The klipa is also in the image of man. God made one opposite the other. So the supernal man has a foe and an enemy, the, the, the unholy man. And um, that has a minimal, it has life too. Obviously, God gave that power a life, or else it wouldn't have it wouldn't be competitive to God. But it's possible, God forbid, that when you know, like you have two fighters fighting, and one of them knocks the other one in the face, causes the other one to bleed, and the bleed flows out of that person. Now, in the in the in the in the fight that you're watching, a boxing or an MMA fight or whatever kind of fight, the person's blood is not being is not being um, you know, um, transfused into the into the other fighter, but it's spiritually it is that way. When the klipa and kedusha are wrestling with each other, and if there is an injury to holiness, then the blood flows out of holy and goes into the unholy man, and then the forces of the unholy become enormously strong and powerful. That's why we have to be very very careful. And 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 how how can that happen? The only ones who can make that happen is sadly us through our sins. And that's called taking the blood of man and pouring into the other man. That's called spilling blood. The blood of the man of holiness gets spilled out and gets transfused to the other man, to the man of unholiness, to the umazah, the other side. Okay. And that's called spilling of blood. Now, he wants to explain why is that associated with the shirt? So again, now we understand that the concept of spilling blood applies to this, not just to interpersonal relationships. It, it relates to, just like we said earlier, that when a person is arrogant, it hurts the divine. It reaches at the very, very point of the supernal aspect in our own soul. It damages our chachma. And in the, um, on the cosmic level, it, it, it brings a blemish in the letter Yud of God's name. And through a lack of fear, it, it, it and, and, and as a result of that negative thoughts that impacts the letter, our own hay and our own soul and the cosmic hay above. The same is also through uh, murder and spilling of blood also impacts the cosmic man spilling the blood of holiness. But, but what does that do with the shirt? Why the shirt? Because you see the shirt, the robe covers the entire body. And when we're talking about the blood, we're talking about the blood that's flowing through all the limbs of the body. See, earlier we're talking particularly about the head, about the heart. Now we're talking about the entire body. Now, which, which power within the person represents the sum totality of all the limbs in their body? You can say on the one hand, you can say the head, because the head is like where 
all the energies first exist and it's the controller of the entire body. Or you can say the heart. The heart pumps the blood to all the limbs of the body. But there is in, 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 um, it for, for something more directly considered the entire body is basically the torso. The torso, the midsection that holds the heart and the liver and the, the, the lungs, the lungs, the liver, the stomach, and the two arms and the two legs and everything else is all plugged into that main structure. The torso, that part of the body is considered the main element of Adam. When you say man, it's the it's the it's where it's the main feature of man where everything is plugged into. Now, in the spiritual dynamics, it's the six emotions of God, which is the center. Before we spoke with the intellectual powers, Chachmabina, the six emotional attributes of God. And from the six emotions, the real center emotion that is like the plug-in, where all the other emotions are plugging and connected to, it's called Tiferet. You got Chesed on the right hand, Gavura on the left. The right leg and the left leg are Netzach and Hod. And what's the torso itself? The torso itself is the Tiferes, which and, and Tiferes is associated with Vav of God's name. And that's where the shirt goes. The shirt is primarily the cover of the entire torso, even though it extends all the way down to the coin's feet, but it's basically covering the entire person. So therefore, the spilling of blood is impacting primarily, God forbid, going into the letter Vav of God's name, which the letter Vav is both indicative of all six emotions, but it is also indicative of primarily the sphera of Tiferes. And over there is where there could be, God forbid, the blemish of spilling of blood. So that's what he explains over here. Uh, the Indian Adam and what's called Adam, the spilling of the blood of man. And the word Adam actually indicates the importance of the blood because in the word Adam, you have Aleph, Dalid, Mem, Dam. Aleph, Dam. Dam is Adam. And like it says, now where do you see that Adam, he finds an interesting verse that associates Teferes with the main Adam. Teferes Adam, Loshevez Bayes. It is the splendor of Adam to sit in a house, to live in a house. So you see that the word Adam is associated with Teferes. We also say in Pirkei Avast, Adam and Teferis are associated with each other. Teferis is called Adam. And he asks immediately the question, he challenges himself. Now, even though Teferis, how can you say Teferis is the entire human structure? Isn't Adam all the, 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 the uh, configuration of all the ten Sephirot? So he says, yes, it is. But which one is the most inclusive of all the ten spheros, it is the Teferis. And Adam is the general element of all the Midos. Chesed which Chesed, kindness, which is the right arm. which is the left arm. All the way down to Yesod, all the way to the Yesod element, which is considered the end of the body, the conclusion of the body. 
Um, the yesod is, is, is the sexual um, organs in, the, in a person, reproductive organs. So that's called yesod, which is the end of the, of the main torso. So it's, it's all six emotions. And yet, why do we say that Teferis is called Adam? Ah, Teferis ukavam He says, however, Teferis is the middle center. Which Teferis includes within it kindness and severity. As we know, Teferis is a blend. The word Teferis means beauty, which beauty doesn't come from one color, only when things are blended. So when you have kindness mixed with judgment, it creates harmony, and that harmony is the Ferris. Now, in the Chesed and Gevura that's in Teferis, so now Teferis has Chesed and Gevura, just like in the torso, it plugs in the two arms. So this really has the power of the two arms, the right and the left. But even more than that, the Chesed and the Gevura are the source for the offshoots of it. What's the offshoot of Chesed? The right leg, Netzach. What's the offshoot of Gevura? Hod, which is the right, the left leg. So, and since Teferis has Chesed and Gevura with its offshoots in it, so Teferis clearly has Chesed, Gevura, and then Teferis itself, and Netzach and Hod, which is five of the emotions. And I was going to add, and Yesod goes without saying, it's actually the bottom of the Teferis is the Yesod, like we know that in terms of the tzaddikim, Yosef was the was the personification of the element of Yisod. That's why he was tested with a test associated in this aspect of his life. And Yaakov is Teferis. And we know that Yaakov and Yosef were inseparable. Ela told us Yaakov, Yosef. Yaakov lived his entire life for Yosef. So Teferis, the Zohar says, uh, Teferis, um, uh, I think the word over there is um, guf ubris, the guf, which is the ferris, ubris, which is the brismila, which is the isod, chad, who is considered one. So obviously, Teferis has everything in it, as he says. Teferis, who kavam tsayisha koil chesed gavura, ube chesed gavura kol anfeya chesed gavura, and chesed and gavura includes within it the branches, the offshoots of chesed and gavura, netzach kol ube chesed. Power of perseverance and victory is included in Chesed. Vahod, the Gevura, and Hod is included in Gevura. Vimken Hako, Kol, Teferis. Comes out, everything is included in Teferis. The Yesod, and Yesod, like we said earlier, the, the, the power of bonding and connection. Bevadai, Kol, Teferis is for sure connected to Teferis. Elechem, Teferis, Nikra, Adam. That's why Teferis is called the general Adam, the general man. Umetam, Zen, Nikra, Gamkin, Vav. And that's the reason why Teferis, even though Teferis is only one sphera, it is also called the letter Vav, which Vav is six, because it's one that includes all six. Like it says, there's a verse that says, you will give me a true sign. I think it's in Joshua and Yeshua, where it says how um, Rachav, the one who was hiding the spies, she says to them, that she begged of them that as a reward of she being kind to them and hiding these spies in her attic, that they should promise that when the Jewish people come into Jericho, they don't they spare her family. So she asked for a sign. Nasatamli, give me a true sign, Isemis. The Zohar says on the words Venamsatamli Isemis, which letter the Zohar doesn't say just it's a sign, it's a letter. Which letter of the olive base 
is the os emes, the letter of truth. The Zohar says it's the vav. Vav is the letter of truth. Uh, os emes, the is vav. Because truth, we know, goes through all the levels. It's, it's the middle and it slices through everything. The letter vav is a straight line. It goes through all the letters. And that's why it's called the letter, the letter of truth is the letter of. Now we know truth is the Ferris. Chesed is not, Chesed is not a lie, God forbid, but it's not truth. Gavur is not a lie, God forbid, but it's not truth. Why? Truth is always the middle. Any extreme is not true. True is always the, har- the harmony that always stays in the middle. And therefore, Teferis, which is called also MS, and you see that the Zohar says that MS is Vav. So you see that the attribute of Teferis, which is also MS, is, 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 the, is the main person. The main element of the human being. MS with Teferis, like it says. Now, how do we know that MS is associated to Teferis? It says, Tite MS Yaakov, give truth to Jacob. Yaakov is Teferis. Aram is Chesed. Yitzchak is Gevurah. By them, it doesn't say truth. Tite MS Yaakov, give MS by Yaakov. Venikra Vav, and it's called Vav, called the letter Vav. Afal Pisha Vav, Midos. Even though Vav is six, it includes all six Midos. The, the Vav in God's name. Is all six emotions because the Ferris is the main one. Because the Ferris includes all the meters. The Indian is Damim. And what does it mean, spilling of blood? Which again, going back now, the main human, the main Adam is the Teferis. The spilling of the blood means taking the blood of this Adam, God forbid, and spilling it out of the Adam of holiness and putting it into the blood of. It means draining the energy of the emotions into something else. In taking the blood, in other words, you're taking the emotional energy of holiness and God forbid, and draining one's emotion into the unholy stuff. Basically, that means to get emotionally caught up in unhealthy things. That's spilling of blood. Into the man, the, the unholy man. Which, as we said earlier, in that verse, spilling the person's blood. That's all that it should say. It says, spilling the blood of man into a man. What does it mean, into a man? Well, now we understand. It's taking the blood of the man of holiness and putting it into the unholy man. Therefore, it's in the Vav, because the Vav is the main Adam. And therefore, spilling of blood affects the vav of God's name, the letter vav. And vaxones and the shirt is is the garment for the entire torso. Vaxones olavush is the garment. I'll call gufa adam on the main, especially on the torso, but really on the whole person. And a shirt, really, if it's not a long robe, a regular shirt like we wear, is a shirt. It's the covering. It what covers the the main thing, which is the the, the torso of the person. And the fact that it atones for the sin, the priestly shirt atones for the sin of sin of splitting. But is also indicating that it is in the vav of, that the shirt is in the vav. Two things. Number one, the fact that we wear it on the, on the body. And therefore, that the fact that it's worn on the body itself, on the teferis, so which is the vav, you see the sh- connection of the shirt to the vav of God's name. Just like we said before, the belt is particularly on the heart, so it connects to the hay. 
the vav is particularly on the the shirt is particularly on the vav of the person, and therefore it is, especially if you look at the human body, literally from shoulder down, it's one long vav, and on that you're wearing the shirt. So two things: from where it's being worn, and also like we said at the beginning, from what it atones. Since it atones on the spilling of blood, and the spilling of blood means spilling the blood of man. And the idea of man, as we discussed earlier, is the combination of all six emotions, which is combined all into Ferris. So if it atones for that as an indication that the shirt of the Kohen is derived and it contains within itself the energy of the love of God's name. Bamech Messiah and the pants shall Kohen Gadol of the Kohen, of the Kohen Gadol. A mechaper of a high priest, mechaper aloin gilu yarois. The pants is primarily a cover over the reproductive element of the person, of the erva. And that's why it's an atonement for non, for sexual sins, for non-kosher relationships. And from this it's an indicating that therefore this garment is, is associated with the latter hay of God's name. Because when there is this, uh, uh, um, when we have a sexual sin, it primarily blemishes the feminine element of the divine, which is the malchut, which is the kingship of God, which the kingship is sexual uh, sin is associated generally with a female. I mean, obviously a man with a woman, but it's the whole idea of it is it's a, a miss, um, a a a a chibur, an attachment of man and woman in a in an undesirable way, where God doesn't approve of that connection, and therefore it affects primarily, as we're going to see in a moment, the the feminine element, the malchus. Kipidish erva, because he explains. The word that we use also connected to this week's parsha, this week and next week's parsha. The Torah gives us the prohibition of aroyos, which are the the prohibition against incest uh, relationships with uh, with primarily with relatives. And any woman that is considered an erva, which by the way includes first of all every every married woman, that's a married woman, not to her husband. Uh, a single woman is also prohibited. Uh, until you get married, but it doesn't have the seriousness of the seriousness of the prohibition like a married woman. But also, in particular, there are even unmarried women. But if they are close relatives, a daughter, sister, a mother, a granddaughter, and, uh, and 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 mother-in-law and sister-in-law, and all these various different close relatives, discussed also in this week's Torah portion, these people are called in relationship to the person, they are called an erva. An erva means that a relationship with them would be considered gili arroyos. What does it mean, gili arroyos? Uncovering, erva generally is translated as nakedness. But what does it mean? So he explains. The word erva is comes from the word ar. Ar means to expose. And the second letter is over here, ar vav ke which really means an exposure of intimacy. So the reason these the reason, the reason is because God said so, but a little bit that we can understand 
is that Arroyos is an exposure of something very, very, very deep and powerful, which is not meant to be exposed. As we're going to see later in the Mimer, not now, but in the class that we're going to learn next week, hopefully, um, the these relationships do exist, these intimacies between relatives do exist in the supernal realm, in the realms of the divine, they do exist. As a matter of fact, the whole process of marriage in the supernal realms is only with relatives because you're dealing with one God and we're dealing just unifications of different, different spheroids, masculine side of him, feminine side. So these are all within one being. So it's all considered relative. We're going to see mother and son and, and, and father and daughter. There's various different things that are, and yet it's the highest level of holiness. Yet down here below, our physical world is not a vessel to be able to manifest such intense, such unions. And quite on the contrary, if God forbid this is tried, where the Torah tells explicitly not to, one is, if we spoke earlier about spilling blood, spilling blood is bad, spilling seed is a million times worse. Blood is life, and seed is the very, very essence of life. Much deeper than blood is the very, very core. So, taking the the um, engaging in all these, God forbid, any form of forbidden relationship. Again, I gave the example of relatives. It's not just relative. Also, with a married woman, and so on and so forth, adultery, and so on and so forth. It is taking the deepest elements of the divine and giving it, similar to what we spoke earlier, giving it to the klipa. And that's the meaning of R. R means to reveal. Vav K. Vav K is the, is the intimacy between the masculine and the feminine element of God's name. And as we're going to see in the discourse, the blood flow that flows, which is the life that we discussed earlier, can't compare to that deepest connection that happens when men and women get together in an intimacy. One is transmitting from their very, very core on a much deeper level than blood. And when one is exposing that into the unholy, it's super, super damaging. But the most damage it causes is to the, is to the feminine element of the divine, which is the malchut. Number one, that she's not getting her life. It's going, her, her, her what she needs more than anything else is, is being given away to other forces. And number two, um, it's infiltrating her. And in, in, in she is being attacked through powerful dark forces, draining her energy, polluting her, and bringing awesomely awesome darkness into the world. And that's the idea of Arroyas. It's associated with the pants, as we said before, because that's where the sin is taking place. So therefore, this sin is a rectification on that, and therefore it relates primarily to the hay of God's name, as he explains. Aru inyan gilo. The, the word ar from the word erva means to reveal. And what's the, or ma'ara means to pour over. So if I have something in a cup, like the contents of this cup, you can't see. This is see-through, so you could see it's water. I mean, you can't see. It's actually a little leftover coffee, but you can't see it. But when I pour it out, once it starts dripping, it's called ma'ara. So I'm exposing the liquid that was inside of it. And the kavana is 
God forbid one is involved in some kind of incestuous relationship or any other kind of forbidden relationship. One is exposing and revealing you're exposing this intimacy between the two letters of God's name, which is the deepest uh, transmission of God into the into the Shekhinah, and then later, which prepares the world for Mashiach and all the good ultimate light that's going to be here. And God forbid what happens is when you expose it, what happens? What this does, it gives the forces of unholiness added energy, and it gives them a surplus even more than spilling blood that we spoke earlier. Because over here, you're not just drawing from the ordinary flow of energy that's flowing in the limbs of the supernal man. You're taking from the supernal union, which over here is the deepest energy. How do you see it's the deepest energy? Because not only um, is it life, but you can create life with the, with the seminal drop that is drawn in a, in a what's it called again, in a, in a intimacy. You're actually producing new light, new life. You're actually taking God's omnipotent power, which is the highest power in, 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 in existence, to create something from nothing. And in that sense, that is that is leaking into the unholy. There is intimacy above between the masculine and feminine element, between what's called HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. It says that the angels above are obscuring that unity. They're keeping it modest. They're keeping it hidden. They, they protect. It should not be revealed to the external world to where, to where the forces of unholiness are. And how do they, they cover the Yichud Elyon, the supernal intimacy, the Vav K of the Vav and the He of God's name. The Kanfeim Shalem, they cover it with their wings. Obviously, we have to understand this anthropomorphically speaking. This is all metaphoric. We're not talking about wings, like they make pictures of angels with physical wings and they're covering up because we're not dealing with a physical entity. We're dealing with a very, very sublime, 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 a million gazillion times sublime. And yet there is a concept of angels that have wings and their wings cover up and shield and protect from it to being exposed. In order for that the chitzonim, the external forces should not get derived, the power that is released from such an intimacy. From this unity. And if a person down here below is engaging in a forbidden sexual action, so then they are exposing of this, this, uni, this union. And therefore, as a result of that, by exposing it, one is giving the forces of evil, the extraneous outside forces of existence, giving them not just blood, as we spoke earlier, but something even deeper than blood. Now, there are two forms of damage that happen by allowing the snake entities, the chitzonim, the, the dark forces, to, to, to get into this, to tap into this high transmission of energy, into this intimacy. Number one, number one, one is giving access to the klipa, to the shechina. When the Shekhinah is in a state of exposed, because she's general, she should be covered in this unity, when she is not covered, like it says, Chava, I'll give the simple example. Adam and Eve were, were, when did the snake come? Rashi says, how did the snake even get involved? 
in them. He saw Chava's beauty. And Chava's beauty was, Eve's beauty was reflecting the divine feminine beauty, which is just infinitely beautiful. And she was the first human being, the first woman. She was plugged in completely. But because of her intimacy with Adam, which Adam represents even a higher level, and his intimacy with her, which at that time, because there was no shame, because there was no embarrassment, because there was no Sahara evil inclination, there was no need to cover. But yet, you see, it was a need for it, for it to be covered because the snake saw it and he wanted a piece of her. He wanted her, meaning he wanted to connect to her. He was attracted to her. So just like it is in the physical Eve down here that the snake crept up on her. And actually it says that he had intimacy with her. That's what he wanted. He desired her. That doesn't mean, doesn't necessarily have to mean that he had full intimacy with her, but spiritually he transmitted of his venom into her. So spiritually the same thing happens. As a result, God forbid, of a non-kosher sexual activity and a person down here below, we allow the snake to attack Chava. Okay? Now, that would be the pagam, that would be the blemish in the latter hay of God's name. Which is a, now, to, to, to understand how that happens by a non one of the ways of understanding it, I mean, I'm, I was trying to think about what exactly that is, is the woman that's involved, she is the malchut, she's the feminine. The man who is now engaging in this non-kosher relationship, see, as a, as a, when a husband and wife who are married according to Torah and according to God's instructions, the husband assumes, facilitates the energy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of the, of the masculine dynamics of God. And if he's following the holy, living a holy lifestyle, he and holy in, 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 in every aspect, including in the bedroom, so then when in his relationship with his wife, He's not a snake, God forbid. He is connecting from his deepest connection, from his soul to her soul. So his level of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is connecting to the Shekhinah element in her. So he's transmitting from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to Shekhinah. But if he's following his lustful desires and he's motivated in a, in a, in a non-kosher relationship. So at that moment, he's not channeling, as we say in, in Tanya, it says that every time a person is, 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 is entertaining non-kosher things that God doesn't approve of, then you're, you're downloading, then the person is downloading not from the realms of holiness, then the person is downloading from the realms of the unholy. So basically the snake at that time, which is the evil inclination, the eight Sahara, which are all different manifestations of the, of the primordial snake, have now entered into this person, this man's body. So the man is now an actualizer of the snake. When he comes to this, to this girl, it doesn't make over here a difference if she seduced him or if he's the one who's doing it to her or whatever the situation is. Bottom line is that she's an entity of Malchut and by him having a relationship with her, he's transmitting venom. It's like, like the snake having relations with Chava. So this is the idea and he's causing it in her soul source as well. That the source of where he is, where he is channeling from, which is the supernal snake, is now attacking her source, which is the Shekhinah. So in the sense over here, the damage is not so much in the fact that the snake is receiving unholy energy. The snake over here, the problem is more in the fact that Chava is being polluted by this. Take a look what happened to Eve. Eve, the mother of all of humanity, had she produced children without the snake in her, all of her children would be 
holy and they wouldn't be psychologically messed up. But because Chava received some of that snake, so evil inclination went in and we're still doing therapy for that thousands of years later. We're all messed up because the snake introduced into our mother Chava. So we don't want to, God forbid, intensify that. Every non-kosher relationship allows satanic aspect to go into the blood flow, so to speak, of the supernal mother, which is the Shekhinah, which runs the world and therefore adds so much negativity to the world. That's number one. So we hear the problem is not so much the output. The main problem over here is the intake, that holiness is becoming polluted. The second damage is that you're causing the light of Akadish Baruch of, 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 of the of the holy man, which is given into Chava. Chava has this incredible Eve, and which whose Chava has this unbelievable reservoir of the deepest godly lights in her from her previous intimacies in holiness. And when the snake gets into her, he's actually feeding her his venom, but also suctioning out not just her vitality, but her vitality that she received from her husband, which is the deepest vitality ever. As we said, we spoke earlier, his seminal energy being seeped out into the klipa. So that over there, the problem is no more the intake, but the, the exporting, exporting of the deepest energies into the, into the forces of darkness. That's the problem. And therefore, he's explaining the main blemish is in the hay, even though we'll argue, hey, in the first damage, of, the first element of the damage, of course, the main blemish is in the hay because she's becoming polluted, not her husband. Her husband is not with her. The problem is the snake is with her, not her husband. So her her, although you can say that just like physically, God forbid, if a woman is, is, is cheating on her husband, and let's say if he's got some kind of a disease, she can pass that disease into her husband as well. And that can apply even in the relationship of the divine, because everything in this world, the bacteria and that can pass into, so there could be some damage in the vav as well. But over here, we understand that the primary damage is her, not in him. But in the second thing, we might argue and say the primary damage is not in the hay, but in the vav, because when the vav gives to the hay, and then the hay, which is the shechina, has relations, God forbid, through our sins with the snake, so he's stealing the energy of the vav. So there too, we might argue it's it's not so much the hay, it's the vav. And why are we saying that the main problem in non-kosher relationship is a blemish in the hay? That's what he's explaining over here. So let's read inside. First, he's saying the two problems that happen as a result of an, a non-kosher relationship is as follows. One that he causes the snake to come on, on Eve. And this is the pagam, this is the blemish in the latter hay of God's name. Which is Chava Malchus. And he also causes the second cause is not so much the intake, but the output. He causes what he refers to over here as the shifcha kitirash givirta. It's a pasuk, I think, in in, in, in uh, Mishle, in Proverbs, a verse, where it says, one of the terrible things that happen is when a mistress, um, when a maid, the maidservant, um, overtakes and inherits uh, her her mistress. In other words, there is the master woman, 
And then there is her, her maid. And when her maid becomes master over her mistress, that's a problem. And what does it mean spiritually? The Shekhinah is called the, the mistress, the, the, the noble woman. The maidservant, that's the feminine klipa, the klipa, the feminine power of unholiness. And when she becomes dominant over the Shekhinah and she's stealing her, she's stealing the husband away from the Shekhinah, that's kitirash gevirt shefa shenim shach that the flow that goes into the hay. Sorry, the, the shefa that comes from the vav into the hay. When the maid servant receives it, the evil maid, the klipa of klipa, the and this is the blemish. Now, based on this, we would therefore say that the blemish is not just in the hay, the latter hay of God's name, but also in the vav. And like the word erva says, are you exposed? Vav a. So therefore the damage is in the vav. Nevertheless, the main pagam, the main blemish is still much more to her than to him. Because from the essence of the vav, the chitzonim can't derive from that such lofty energy. Only from the external element of the vav, which is the netzachod yesod of the vav, which is primarily the place of the malchut, where the malchut connects to the to the to the uh, to her husband, is on the netzachod yesod, which is called the external of the vav. I'm not going to get into all of this, but the main idea is it's he's explains it's primarily on the external level of the vav, which is mainly the element of the hay, and therefore the pants. The, the pants which come not just it's corresponding to the erva to the naked to the sins of erva it comes to cover the erva which means it comes to create the modesty and the covering of yeah what was the sin the sin was the the sin is the uncovering so it needs to be covered again this is an atonement on the sin of this is so then that indicates that the pants is associated with the latter hay of God's name now he concludes with something really powerful hold it if the four um, the garments are derived from the letters of God's name and therefore, they're supposed to bring an atonement on the blemishes in the letters of God's name. You have to ask the question. It doesn't make any sense. If something is blemished, then what do you? How can you fix it by by bringing in? You know, if I got a water tank and the water got contaminated, so what am I going to take? Another bottle of water, or I'm going to take water from the same contaminated bottle and pour it in? It's not going to help. I need to go outside of the system and bring in new water and flush out the old water. So what do we say? Through our sins, through arrogance, we can, God forbid, even affect the, the highest level, the chachma of the divine. Through this frivolousness and openness, lack of fear of God, we can damage the, the upper supernal hay. Through spilling of blood, we're damaging the vav. 
through um, forbidden relationships. We're damaging the hay. And we're saying the four garments, they come from those four letters. But those four letters are damaged. It's damaged goods. So how's it going to help? That's what he's answering over here. In truth, since the four garments of the whole, of the high priest, they are an atonement on the blemish of the four letters of Avaya. So we have to say that they are higher than the name you came of. In other words, it's not that they are just a derivative of the letters because the letters have been blemished. We have to say they stem from a place even higher than the letters. But hold it. If they're higher than the letters, why are they four? The whole idea of the four letters, each one. And we, we went through a whole thing to explain that they are connected to the letters. And now we're dismissing it because the letters are... Because in the letters themselves of God's name, there is two letters. There's two levels. There is the revealed letters of God's name, which is the revealed name of God, of the Tetragrammaton. And then there is the concealed letter, the higher name of Yudke Vavke, which on that level, there is no blemish they can reach because that level, all these features are still utterly one with the infinite himself. And therefore, on that level, there cannot be any blemish. So, like we see that in Hashem's name, when we pray, when we play the 13 attributes of mercy, for instance, we say twice Hashem, Hashem. Hashem's name, Tetragrammaton is mentioned twice. Hashem, Hashem, Kerachem, Bacham, two times. Avaya, the first one, Avaya, the second one. And we know that if you look in the Siddur, you'll see that there is a line interrupting between the first one and the second one. Yes, Avaya, Avaya, this two times, Avaya, Psik, Taima, and there is a wall in between them. And the beauty that when we say the high priest's garments, they are derived from such a high level that it's from the four letters of God's name before they're even they're not even noticeable. They're like vague. They're so one with the infinite that these are like, like when you when you carve out letters on a diamond, you can't even see the letters, but the letters are there, but they're part, they're just one with the diamond. And this is the, this is this level. It's so high on this level, there's no blemish. And the, and the garments and are in the four letters of Avaya, on the higher letters of Avaya. And when the high priest would wear them, it would be drawn down into the lower avaya, to fill the blemishes. And that's why it was made out of bad. That's why it was made out of linen. As we can explain in the next piece, which we're not going to learn now. I thought we're going to learn the second piece as well. Didn't realize this would take so long to explain. But... Um, it's good. We're going to leave that for the next class. But he explains that bab, linen, the word linen linen comes from the word milvad, which means alone. We're talking about a level where there is nothing other than just God himself. But yet, there are four garments. So this is an indicative, indicative of a level that is so primordial and so original that it is still, that, that things are not yet pronounced. That's why it's they're all linen, and that's why they're white. White is this essential color. And from, on that level, there is, can never be any blemish on, on that level. And from there, the Kohen takes his garments and wears them to bring the rectification in the lower levels where the blemishes are possible. Because linen indicates on the simple oneness, the atzmas of the essence of the emanator, 
where there cannot be any disconnect. Okay, we'll stop over here.